Welcome to CT Church. This message was recorded during our Sunday service. We hope you enjoy this presentation. In honor of Father's Day, uh, I have this top 10 list that I always enjoy. These are the top 10 things you will never hear a dad say. Top 10 things you will never hear a dad say. Number 10, what do you want to go and get a job for, son? I make plenty of money for all of us to spend. Number nine, you know, Punkin, now that you're 13, you're probably ready for some of those unchaperoned car dates. Won't that be fun? You know, I've noticed all your friends have kind of a jerky attitude. I like that. (laughs) Number seven, here's a credit card and the keys to the car. Now go have some fun. Things you will never hear your dad say. What do you mean you want to play football? Figure skating's not good enough for you, son. (laughs) I'm sorry about that one. Number five, your mother and I are going away for the weekend. You might want to consider throwing a party. (laughs) Number four, I don't know what's wrong with your car. Probably one of those doohickey things, you know, that makes it run. Have it towed to a mechanic. Just pay whatever he asks. Number three, no son of mine is going to live under this roof without an earring. Now quit your belly aching. Let's go to the mall. I'm not saying an earring is wrong. I'm just saying you're probably not going to hear your dad say that. Number two. Well, how about that? It looks like we're lost. I'm going to have to stop and ask for some directions. (laughs) The number one thing you won't hear a dad slash husband say, Honey, isn't it time that we went shopping for some new shoes and purses for you? (laughs) (laughs) let me see your hand if you ever heard your dad say any of those things oh you didn't hear your dad say what what did he say he said shouldn't we go shopping for shoes and purses oh Todd you old softy you Yeah, go ahead and mess up my little thing here I got going. This This morning, in keeping with Father's Day, I want to, I have a message uh, for all of us dads. It's entitled, The Godly Father. I've got a sneaking suspicion that most of you men are pretty well acquainted with the 70s mafia film, The Godfather. There's something about gangsters and mafia stories that intrigue most men. But for those of you who may not be familiar with this particular story, The Godfather was a story about an aging head of a New York crime family who knows that very soon he's going to have to turn the reins of power over to one of his sons. (laughs) Now he's very aware that control of the family would normally go to the oldest son, which is why he's very concerned at this moment. See, his oldest son was named Sonny. Sonny was a big hothead. 
Sonny, you looked at him funny, he might just shoot you as, as to talk to you. He was not a very stable guy. And Don Corleone, he brings Sonny into his office to ask him a very, very important question. It's a question that Don Corleone believes will define the true character of a, a character of a man. He brings Sonny into his office, and this is what he says. Sonny. I want to know, Sonny, do you spend time with your family? Well, sure, Pop. Well, that's good. That's good because a man who does not spend time with his family is not a real man. That's what he said to him. Anyway. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, what? I work alone up here, but anyway... <laughs> for all of his faults and his wrong ideals you know because Don Corleone himself was a man that if you stood in his way he would have you removed but he was a man who understood apparently the importance of time spent with family I'm, that's probably about as far as it goes as using Don Corleone as a role model for any of us. But he did, he did understand that. So my point today is not for any of us to strive to be a godfather, but rather we do need to be a godly father. Amen? The Word gives us many examples of godly fathers, but the one I want to focus on this morning uh, deals with Joshua. Joshua 24, 14 through 18. Let me read this to you this morning. Now fear the Lord and serve Him with all righteousness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house... We will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it was the Lord our God Himself who brought us and our fathers up out of Egypt from that land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because He is our God. So I'm going to come back to this portion of Scripture in just a minute. Today being Father's Day, as I did on Mother's Day, I thought I'd give you a little history of this particular day. It was on a Sunday morning, it was on Mother's Day actually, in 1909. Do the math, 110 years ago. A woman named Sonora Dodd was sitting in church in Spokane, Washington, listening to a Mother's Day sermon. And having been raised pretty much by her father, her mother had passed away at an early age, she wanted to know, how can I express to my dad how special he is to me? Her father was born in June, so she decided to have the first Father's Day on June 19, 1910. And in 1924, 
President Calvin Coolidge officially proclaimed the third Sunday of June as Father's Day. Who's glad you came to church already? Yeah. A good father is uh, sometimes one of the most unsung, unpraised, unnoticed heroes in humanity. One time, a little boy was asked to define Father's Day. He said, well, it's kind of like Mother's Day. You just don't have to spend as much on the gift. <laughs> but in this scripture we just read, Joshua is 110 years old as he's saying this to the leaders of Israel. He has summoned all of them together for this farewell address, so to speak. And he is charging them to obey the Lord who had fought for them and given them the inheritance of the promised land. And he warned them about turning from their faith in God, saying, you've got to choose this day who you're going to serve. And as Joshua spoke, he did so with a lot of power, with a lot of authority. I mean, he was a guy who had walked with Moses for 40 years, spent the last 25 years leading Israel in their conquest of the promised land. He had God's power in his life. He could speak with power and authority. Now, here's the part that I like about what he told them. He reinforces his appeal with this power of being a good example. He said, but as for me and my house, what? We will serve the Lord. There's a lot of good things we could say about Joshua, but this morning I want, I want to focus on two particular qualities that he possessed that I think all of us, especially as dads, as leaders in our homes, that we need to try to emulate the best we can. One, he was the priest of his home. He took that responsibility. And secondly, he acknowledged his responsibility for the spiritual life and well-being of his family. Now, one thing about being a priest is this. A priest cannot function properly unless he is in close contact with God. Amen? We're supposed to be the priests of our home. What good is a priest who is far from God? What godly influence is that? According to the Bible, the family was designed to be the basic educational unit. The family. Deuteronomy 6, 6-9, through 9, let me read it. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Well, that pretty much covers most of the time, doesn't it? Today, we have, unfortunately, too many fathers who are willing to leave all of the instruction either up to the mom or the Sunday school teacher or the youth pastor or, heaven forbid, the public schools. In fact, it has gotten so bad. Say, how bad is it? Let's try that again. It has gotten so bad. This is like the match game. You guys are good. It's gotten so bad that even the public schools are sick and tired of trying to raise other people's kids. That's bad. I've, got, I've used this example before, but it's just so classic. This, is an, this was an actual telephone recording message that was used by Pacific Palisades High School in Southern California. At the time, 
the, the school board and several teachers were being sued by a group of parents who were insisting that their children's failing grades be changed to passing grades, even though the kids, each of these kids had missed over 30 days of school in that semester and did not complete over 50% of the assigned work. They felt it was unfair that their kids wouldn't pass when all the other kids were passed. So there was a lawsuit. And it was voted unanimous, unanimously by the office staff and teachers for this to be the actual phone message when you called Pacific Palisades High School. Here it is. Hello, you have reached the automated answering service of Pacific Palisades High School. In order to better assist you in connecting with the right staff member, please listen to all the options before making a selection. To lie about why your child is absent, press 1. To make excuses for why your child hasn't done their homework, press 2. To complain in general about what we do, press 3. To swear at or even threaten a staff member, press 4. To ask why you didn't get information that has been sent to you in your parental school newsletter and several flyers, press 5. If your desire for us is to raise your child, press 6. To request a different teacher for your child for the third time this year, press 7. To complain about bus transportation, press 8. To complain about school lunches, press 9. To complain about the school nurse not being helpful when your child complained about being tired after being allowed to stay up half the night playing computer games or watching cable TV, press 0. If you realize that this is the real world and that your child must be accountable for his and responsible for his or her actions, behavior, and classwork, and that it's not the teacher's fault for their lack of effort, please hang up and have a nice day. That's how bad it's gotten. But dads, I have a message for all of us today. It's not the school system's responsibility to teach our kids good behavior, responsibility, or especially things of God. That's never going to happen. And it's not even the Sunday school's teacher responsibility to make sure your children know how to be saved, know how to walk in the ways of the Lord. And some of you find that shocking, probably. You may be saying, well, if it's not the Sunday school's teacher job to teach my kids about Jesus, I, ju I must be going to the wrong church. What exactly is their job? I'm glad you asked. Listen to this. It is the Sunday school teacher's it is Pastor Lisey's and it is Pastor Chris's job to reinforce what you have been teaching your kids. It's their job to reinforce what you've been teaching. They've got about 90 minutes all week long to speak truth and impart uh, God's word into your kids all week long. You have them all the rest of the time. I will say this after having been in the ministry for a number of years now. If Sunday school and children's church or youth group, if that's all the Bible training that your kids are getting, there is a very good chance, maybe not, but a good chance, that I will meet with you in my office one day when you are beside yourself trying to figure out what happened to your teenager and why they've gone crazy because they were raised in a Christian home. They've got to get it more than just at church. Dads, this morning, the single greatest thing you can ever do for your children is this. It's found in Deuteronomy 6.5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your strength. That's the greatest thing you can ever do for your kids. 
You know, you don't have to live very long to discover that love begets love. When you strive to love God, loving your children and your spouse and those around you will just come naturally. There was a little kid one night, very frightened by a big thunderstorm, thunder and lightning rang out, and, and he calls out into the night. He called, Dad, come here. He says, I'm scared. And the father said, well, well son, God loves you, and he's going to take care of you. The little kid said, well, I know God loves me, but right now I'd really like somebody that's got some skin on. It's supposed to be a true story. If I were starting a family all over again, that would be a priority. I'd want to be God's love with some skin on. That's what we need to be as dads. Amen? Joshua, he was this great warrior. And he had now become a man of peace and a man of love. When you, when you, uh, when you strive to love God, there's a lot of things going to fall into place right in our lives. And he is trying now his best to impart this love into the people of Israel who we all know were very stubborn from time to time. Aren't you glad none of us are ever like that? They could be pretty stubborn. But in order to pass this love on to our children or anyone, we first have to absorb it ourselves, right? You know, there, we can't pass on to someone something that we don't possess ourselves. So we have to absorb this love ourselves. Now, here are some interesting statistics concerning church attendance. If you invite a child to church and they receive Jesus, there's about a 10% chance you'll get the rest of the family. I got these statistics from a, a, a men's, from a Glenn Cole book. If the mother gets saved, you have about a 30% chance you'll get the rest of the family. Listen to this. If a father gets saved, there's about a 90% chance the rest of the family is going to be in church. What a huge difference. That is, that is a very significant statistic, isn't it? Now, someone once said, a boy loves his mother, but he's going to follow his father. A lot of truth in that, isn't it? You look at me, you look at Brent, you say, yep. <laughs> That's what happens. He loves his mom, but he kind of followed me, unfortunately. <laughs> and we just deal with it, right, bud? We're working on it. <laughs> we're, we're working on it. <laughs> One of the big problems, I would say one of the biggest problems we have in America today, and that's a pretty bold statement, is that we don't have enough fathers leading in the right direction. You know, it's very true that you are going to lead by example. Unfortunately, uh, the example is not always a great one. But we will lead by example one way or the other, won't we? Listen to these very, very staggering statistics concerning fatherless homes. This is mind-blowing. 30% of all children in America are raised in a fatherless home. Three out of ten. Now, of that 30%, let me share with you what happens when dads walk out on their families. 63% of all suicides are people from fatherless homes. 
80% of all homeless and runaway kids are from fatherless homes. 85% of kids with serious behavioral problems are from fatherless homes. This is 70% of rapists come from fatherless homes. 71% of high school dropouts are from fatherless homes. 75% of patients in chemical abuse centers are from fatherless homes. 85% of all juveniles in prison are from fatherless homes. You cannot deny those are some staggering numbers. The importance of being dad is, I think, a lot further than we comprehend sometimes. Just the importance of being dad. You know, not, not every one of us will be God's gift to fatherhood. But it is time that we as men, we begin to act like men. We begin to make decisions. We're going to stay with our wives and our families, and we're going to stand up for fatherhood. We're going to accept our role as dad. As priest of the home, the godly father has to be a man of prayer. He goes to God on behalf of his family. He asks for wisdom for himself and his wife, asks for protection for his wife and his children. A godly father is the priest of his home as Joshua was. Amen? The second quality that Joshua possessed was that he had a plan for his family. He had a plan. Accepting your role as priest of the home is good. It's just not quite good Enough. There needs to be more. You have to have a plan. And Joshua had this great plan, and he just boldly announced it to everyone, didn't he? He said, here's my plan. As for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. We need to have God's unity in our families today. Amen? Joshua's voice rang out, man, with, with unity. As for me and my house. Why did he say that? Because he knew if he led, they would follow. He could say it boldly. As for me and my house. If I lead the way, I know they'll follow me. Mom and dads, when marriage vows are kept and you are both devoted to the Lord, there is no more powerful statement about family unity that can ever be made. That tops it. One more story. In 1896, that's 123 years ago, there was a man named Charles Sheldon. He wrote a book entitled In His Steps. Maybe you've heard of it. Over 30 million copies of this book have been sold worldwide, In His Steps. And in this book, he shares this particular testimony. He wrote, he wrote, in a log house on the prairie, my father taught me to love the Bible. After breakfast every morning, the family would have a devotional time in the parlor. Each of us had a Bible of our own. Father would read two verses out loud from the chapter of the day. Then mother would read two verses, and each of us would read two. Before five years had passed, we had read the entire Bible five times. I think I'm the only man alive who has actually heard with his ears the entire Bible read five times. We never skipped, not even those long lists of worthies of who begat one another. 
The minute we finished Revelation, Father calmly turned back to Genesis and away we went again. I want to repeat that my father taught me to love the Bible as the greatest book in the world. After we had read the Bible passages for the day, we'd sing a hymn, then we'd all kneel down while Father offered the morning prayer. We are Scottish-Irish, and naturally, Father prayed as long as he liked. And he would often pray for us by name. When I finally left home to go out east to college, I would often be tempted to do what most of the college boys did. Swear, gamble, go to the bars, carouse with girls. Boy, things sure have changed in 120 years, haven't they? Not so much, right? 120 years. Just as I, he writes, just as I was about to give way to my desires, I would hear my father's morning prayer back in that log house, and it was always enough to keep me from falling away from God. I'll tell you, dads, we have a lot more power than I, we realize. We've got to make sure that we're leading by example in a positive way. Leading by example in godly ways. It is going to have a huge effect on our family. Dads, we are, we are absolutely in a war today, aren't we? We are in an absolute fight for the souls of our families because the world is doing their best to just rip, a, rip them away from us. And there's a lot of families losing this war. But starting today, starting today, and if you agree with this, you can just stand with me. Let this be our battle cry. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If you want that to be your battle cry, stand with us this morning. We have to make the decision. If we make the decision, the family is much, much more likely to follow. As for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. Dad, you have to make that decision. You've got to cement it in your soul. You're going to serve the Lord. You have been listening to CT Church in San Antonio, Texas. This recording was presented in the context of our Sunday service. For more information, please visit us at ctagsa.com, connect with us on Facebook, or call us at 210-657-3578.